captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now podcast network. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. If this is your first time listening to our show, we are the podcast that talks about both Star Trek and Star Wars in the same show. We have a fantastic episode for you this time, as we have yet another guest joining us for a chat about his work in Star Trek, film, and TV over the past several decades. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the hosts of the show. And as he is for every episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Uh, he is the one that set up our interview with our guest today. Uh, and he's going to kind of control the conversation. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Chris. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's been a while. How have you been? You know, I have been very, very busy, as I know you have. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think what you've done over the past several weeks has been a lot more fun than my life. So <laughs> please, yeah. if you want to if you want to tell us a little bit about what you've done the past several weeks and then we can kind of get into everything. Go ahead. Sure. Well, so, yeah. So in the last six or so weeks, I've been to Steel City Con. Uh, I went to Ocean City, Maryland with the wife. Um, we adopted two cats while we were out there. And they survived the six and a half hour trip home, which was wonderful. But a lot of uh, family visiting. Uh, my twin brother, Matt, came home from uh, the Navy. He's in Seattle right now. Uh, so got to see him for a while. And then last week, I went to a Star Trek convention in Edison, New Jersey. Got to meet Terry Farrell, get my uh, picture with her to add to my collection. So it's been a pretty wild uh last couple of months but we're all back and look definitely looking forward to talking with today's guest our guest today was born in birmingham alabama but moved to hollywood at the age of two he's a four-year veteran of the united states marine corps earning the rank of sergeant our guest discovered acting after his military service ended when he appeared in a stage show for a director friend of his the die was cast. He earned his Associates of Arts degree from Los Angeles Valley College and spent some years performing in live theater throughout the Western United States. He earned his first television role on the show Hooperman, starring the late John Ritter. Since then, our guest has been acting in television and film over the course of the past three decades. Chances are, if you've watched any television before, you've probably seen our guest today. To Star Trek fans, our guest first appeared in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, as Lieutenant Commander Dimitri Valtain, a bridge officer on the USS Excelsior under the command of Captain Sulu. Five years later, he got to reprise that role in an episode of Star Trek Voyager's third season entitled Flashback. But he also appeared on an episode of Deep Space Nine a couple of years prior. Please welcome our guest, Jeremy Roberts. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, hey. How are you guys doing? Very well. Very well. Great. Well, first, we want to uh, wish you a very happy birthday this week, and we want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us here on our small podcast. <laughs> yeah, busy schedule. 
eating cake and cheeseburgers uh, yesterday was also the National Cheeseburger Day, which always makes me happy. Oh, really? <laughs> any any special place you got the cheeseburger from? No, we uh, I, I made him at home. Mm. Made him at home. You know, hey, I didn't you know feel like getting all... out. Getting out nowadays yeah. is difficult, so. It sure is. It sure is. Well, again, thank you very much for spending part of your happy birthday weekend sure, with us here. Sure. So I wanted to just kind of dive into some basic questions here. Hard to believe that we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of Star Trek VI. Star Trek audiences first saw you as Lieutenant Commander Voltaine. So what drew you to that project back then? And what were, are your recollections about winning the role and making the film? Hmm. Uh it's just funny when uh, you ask about being approached, <laughs> any actors, you know, dreaming of being approached, you know, for anything. But uh, mine didn't occur. I, I, I fell in love with Star Trek the first time it aired when I was tw- I was going to turn 12 about a week later. I've been in love with it, a science fiction buff forever, and I fell in love with it. I wasn't going to act then, but, uh, yeah, I, I've loved it since. Kind of out of your mind, except in, oh, yeah, let's go watch the next one, and I – Found acting, still wasn't really thinking of Star Trek. But then once you start getting a, the work, and then you hear, "Oh, they're they're going to do a Star Trek Six, you go, "Oh, I I could actually be in it if well, yes. they let me. And I went, eh, it "Ain't gonna happen." And and the next thing you know, my agent says, "Well, it's it's only like a five or six lines," and I <laughs> I, I I didn't care. It didn't matter if I got seen or I got to meet any of them on it. it was going to be thrilled to me. So when I got it, it uh, I was glad it approached me, and I did it right, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh. oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, and you definitely did a great job in the, your role in the film. Definitely the, the character has stayed in people's minds over these years. So tell us, what was it like working on the Star Trek VI set? Oh, man. Well, I, I, I guess I, I don't ever get tired of telling this story, because who wouldn't if you're a fan <laughs> of it? Exactly. Um, and I was, I'm not just lucky enough to have been in one, whatever, uh, three of them. Uh, I mean, uh, I was a fan. I, I, yeah. it, that's what it began. And so when I'm on the set of the Excelsior, it's just that there's that captain's chair and uh, Sulu sits in it. And that's about it. And then they set the, shut the set down one day for a, a period where while in walks these, the doors from the outside, two gentlemen, and the, the sun is coming in from the outside. It sounds like a movie. And everybody stopped, and we look at the door, and in walks these two gentlemen. And it's, and it's obviously when they hit the light, it's uh, Shatner and, and Nimoy. And, you know, it's like a hush over the, <laughs> over the entire crew and everybody, although they've all worked with them, so I don't know. Maybe they were all fans. I got chills each time I think about it. And just watching them come in, they sit down at the uh, captain's chair, and they're there so that they can take pictures of them to see that the costume is all correct and their hair, and they weren't going to shoot that day but because we don't ever meet in the uh, movie. But I got to meet them that day and got to sit in a chair and be photographed with them. So I I, I understand getting that photo, man. That That's it's kind of how I started in the business. I didn't if I didn't get a job. I thought, well, what if I only get one job? I want to have one picture. So I started getting eight by tens of actors mm-hmm. like John Ritter was the first one. And that, that I had brought on, you know, with me in case I got to meet, you know, uh, Captain and Spock. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, that was my first. So I actually got to sit in one of the chairs that they were in. You know, eh, it sounds like a nerd. I'm, I'm like a geek. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I still I still get it when I'm watching the TV show now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're oh, in great company here with uh, with us nerds and geeks. So Oh, absolutely. I mean that respectfully. Very respectfully. Of course, of course. Absolutely. Yep. And that's, you know, it's it's something to be proud of. You know, it's actually seems to be growing the phenomenon of being a a geek or a nerd at this point. You know, I wear that badge very proudly. I'll tell you that. If you saw my offices at my two jobs, you'd see you'd see it. (laughs) It would be (laughs) to stick out to you. You know, so you were just saying about that fan experience being on set. When I was at the Star Trek convention last uh, week, I actually got to touch one of the control panels from an episode of Star Trek Enterprise that (laughs) dealt with the Romulans. And when I was touching the buttons, obviously, I know they didn't do anything, but I I was pretending to be a Romulan there. And I was like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm touching something that was on set. You know, what was that like being able to sit on the Excelsior bridge and touch the controls and watch the monitors? <laughs> well, like a kid in a toy factory. I mean, I had, uh, <laughs> I, I remember, uh, God, it sounds terrible. Everybody was probably thinking it, but with the guards and security there with weapons and, uh, you know, they were not going to let those, those tunics go. So I knew there's no way I was going to get that. Mm-hmm. But I had this uh, thing I, I held in my hand, like the iPod in the, in, the, in the future or something, and I show it to Sulu. I was managed to get that home. So, but I do nice. remember. So I still have that, and that that means a whole a whole lot to me. And but then sitting at that panel, yeah, I watch. I'm, I'm judging um, right now for uh, Trek Tracks. It's called Atlanta Trek Tracks Atlanta. They do a uh, um, you know, I'm judging films, fan films, and uh, I'm watching all of them. And it's it's funny. This is where I'm going off the, the subject for a second. But I, I see all the people, all these fans shooting these. They're amazing that they, they do so much. And they, the background sets. And I'm thinking, seeing them do it. Oh, they do the turn. You know, there's this, there's the famous turn. That's where I, I, what I do. I turn and I say something to the captain. Everybody does it. It's something that's done in all the Star Treks. And I was thinking mm-hmm. they should add that to the awards, the turn. Who did the turn the best? <laughs> like Spock was obviously the best turn, you know, when he turns toward the captain and tells him whatever he's asked. I turn mm-hmm. towards Sulu and I say whatever I'm going to say. There's that mm-hmm. turn. It's famous. There should be the fan turn. You know, so I thought they, I should also judge for the best turn. Who delivers the line the best. Anyway, but touching the panel, oh, it, it was uh, fabulous. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine thinking that I was going to have to do this again at the time. Oh, they're going to bring me back, and I'm going to have to repeat what I touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was how anal <laughs> I was, you know. I mean, you mentioned the turn, uh, and it, it's – I never iconic. really thought of it. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's absolutely iconic, and I never really thought of it that way that it, it appears in every time anyone ever speaks to the captain on the bridge, the, the turn. I it, I don't, I can't believe I just never made that connection before. That's incredible. <laughs> he has to make that, that incredible. He's got to deliver lines that have an importance that he gets from, and he has to do it on the turn. It's a, mm-hmm. oh, I, I almost did William Shatner right there. Did the turn. Right. Spot. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um. Just sounds absolutely incredible, and I'm, um, uh, you know, it, it had to be like the ultimate moment for you to be able to get to do that after watching Star Trek, you know, 
while you're you know when you were growing up you know right before you turned 12 and and being able to do your own turn that had to be an incredible experience yeah well i didn't think about it till recently when i watched all the fans how many times it returns in this 35 films you're watching you know i know that you had the opportunity uh to reprise the same role of valtain you know on on star trek, on star trek voyager for the episode with tuvok flashback now how were you approached about taking on the role of Valtain again? And what did you do to prepare for your return to the role? Oh, that was a little more, that was a little bit more of an approach <laughs> before it was, you know, thank God I got the role. Uh, this was, uh, you know, a call from the agent says, you're sitting down. This is so cool. You're going to love this. They called from Voyager and they've written uh, an upcoming episode that they're bringing you back. And I was, you know, <laughs> Thinking, oh, I see a series, you know, or already the actor mind. I'm going to have my own series one day, you know. But, uh, yeah, that was, it was very, it was amazing that I didn't have to audition. They were actually going to give it to me. So you start thinking of grandeur. And I remember doing the, when I auditioned for Star Trek Six. I also remember hearing, uh, after I had auditioned, uh, two friends saying that they got a part. So I remember being very not jealous, but come on, come on, you know, <laughs> Kurtwood's in it and Leon. Yeah. Kurtwood Smith. Uh, he's, uh, he's the father on that 80s show. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He played a, he had this white hair Fu Manchu in the very beginning. I forget. He's a president of something. I, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but he got the part and Leon Russell is another commander in it in the very beginning. And I'm like, come on, because we're always arguing with each other. Bad guys. When we're at an audition mm-hmm. or something, there's four or five of us, and it's like, oh, you had the last part, and you had the one two weeks before, so this is mine. Get out! But uh, <laughs> they never left. They stayed to take it from me. That I noticed, and I've said this before, that you know everybody that I ever worked worked with has become hugely famous, and I've come to realize it's probably their being in proximity to me. That's the only way I can figure it. <laughs> Maybe. You're the linchpin in the operation, huh? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody made it. I mean, everyone is up there. Huge. And you, you save cats. That's incredible, John. Because we just saved, we saved five so far ourselves. We love them. Animals. Oh, you we did. My wife and I are big cat people. And we actually have eight cats in our house. Now. Oh, we have five. Uh, you got us there. I can't imagine. <laughs> can't imagine. It is it's a lot of litter. A lot of cat litter and a lot of... <laughs> With them at oh. each other, but other than that, it, it's it's wonderful. We don't have any kids, and uh, so they basically become our babies. Um, oh. Our feeling is once they come into our house, they're our family. They're not going anywhere. Exactly. Someone had a question on my wife does the YouTube thing, or she says, "Hey, would you would you take two hundred fifty thousand dollars to give up one of our cats?" And I couldn't even fathom. No, I mean, even if I were broke, I couldn't do it. They become part of you. you know? Exactly. I found one. We live next to a park, so right now, I mean, 30 feet away is the beginning of a park, and there's trees, and I heard this whining about a year ago. What is that noise? And I, it's interrupting my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, it's somewhere over in the park, so I went over there, I drove around, I went to there, and I looked at this tree, and it had like these branches growing out from the bottom-ish up a bit, and it was this tiny little, it looked like about five inches black cats whining, and, mm-hmm. and we have crows. So I can mm-hmm. see these crows just, I don't know if crows take cats, 
babies. I don't know. Maybe they do. But I, I finally got it and brought it home, and we've had it since. So it's one of our favorites. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. It's, I'm glad to hear there's another cat lover out there uh, like that. That's that's great. We almost ended up with a ninth. Um, the first day of the convention last week, I uh, was pulling into our hotel, and there was a little kitten that went running across the the parking lot. I actually parked us in the entry, which I shouldn't have done because there were, we were blocking cars, but luckily nobody came. Tried to get the kitten, but it was too scared and wouldn't come out. But, uh, oh. you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we need any more than eight cats in the house, but uh, no, we're always know, getting we more. We're always getting yeah. more. We, we moved. We were living in, on the top of a mountain in uh, Simi and had a, it was like a ranchish area where we, mm-hmm. we were uh, taking in horses and we had Mm-hmm. Uh, chicken coop. We had uh, koi pond. And it was an animal fiesta for for animals, and yeah, we just kept doing it. We're we're putting in fence now to, so that we can have so they can be okay with us adopting dogs, you know, because it has to be sure. perfect. And yeah. come on, we love it. Isn't that enough? Going to make sure exactly. I have a beautiful home. Or so we're working on that right now. Yeah. But well, that's they know nothing about Star Trek, so they're useless. that's awesome so jonathan now that so we've talked about our cats jonathan how about you do you have any animals (laughs) uh i do i have one dog he is a cockapoo terrier mix uh we've had him since he was about eight weeks old and he is now eight years old time flies (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the bummer about that is if you have a lot of animals and you're older and you've had so many you go through a lot of animal dying, mm. and oh, yeah, yeah. My worst. I, I hate it. Yeah, I mean, who's gonna go first, me or the five cats, dog, mm. goat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's never easy. Our that part of the reason we adopted the two is because we lost one to jaw cancer in June. Um, we he was 18 years old, we had him for a good 14 15 years. Um, it, it never gets easy, but you know, we, like we've said to each other, um, we would rather have all the memories with the cats and eventually lose them than not have any at all and yeah, never have those yeah. memories, you know? So right, we had a Molly, a, a, a Labrador and oh, when she was basically born when our daughter was so, and, wow. and passed at 18 of all kinds of things. She was bumping into walls. She was blind and deaf and. Oh. She had cancer, and we just—I had to be the one to take her in. It was miserable. But on a lighter note, <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> All right. Well, I would love to hear a little bit more about your career. Um, you have a very extensive resume of diverse acting projects, ranging from stage to television to movies. So I would love to know. Uh, so, what factors led to you becoming an actor? Um. I bet it was, uh, it was, uh, is it fate? No, it's, uh, when you have dreamed it. I didn't know I dreamt it. I had a reoccurring dream most of my life. And, uh, oh, you uh, you hadn't mentioned that I ended up going to American Conservatory Theater at the time. It was like the best, um, acting school in the country. And, Mm -hmm. And before that, I did a favor for a person in a small community theater. I didn't like acting. It was scary because I couldn't walk into a room without tripping because I was so embarrassed. Oh, I was going to have to talk to girls. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so shy. It was terrible. But uh, I 
I did it. I want, I was only a couple of performances because the guy broke his leg and he was going to be the cast, but can you do these two? Well, okay. I did them. And it was like, I found God. <clears throat> I said, this is what I got to do. So I went, what do I got to do? So I think, well, I'll go to college and as my mother and father get an education so that I can do that instead of being an actor, because you'll never get a job here. <laughs> but they were positive most of the time. And after that, then I, I had to go to the best school. After uh, after that, my, my teachers told me, you got to go to a better one that gives you schooling and acting and everything all day long. And I went, okay. And it was odd because I auditioned in L.A. on the on uh, St. Patrick's Day, being Irish, partly. Mm-hmm. And getting the notice two weeks later on April Fool's, I thought that apropos or funny, considering <laughs> I got in and it wasn't funny. So it, it was the happiest and the worst day of my life because I we had I had to say goodbye to my person I thought I was going to marry forever. Thank oh, God that was wrong because who I have now, you know, <laughs> it would have been bad. Uh, <laughs> so I went to San Francisco and and and, and at the time I, I I got to the school and they were looking for roommates and they told me in the Haight Ashbury area I went to this house right out of the full house looks right just like the full house um house and i go to this place i got my bags i go up the stairs i look down the hallway and i see an empty room i go in i set the bags down and this rush over me goes i have this is the dream and that's the dream i've had that i go someplace like san francisco i walk up the stairs and just like i told you i repeated that and that is exactly the dream i had off and on since i was a child and had no clue what it went, what it meant, you know, whether you believe in a God or not, or fate or whatever. It's just, it was exactly, it was a, it was a filmed version of what I was going to go through 18 years later in San Francisco at this school. So was it meant to be? I guess so. Cause somehow I saw it before it happened in my dreams. So answer that if you can. I don't know. I've always been fascinated with acting as uh, as a career. I never, you know, I did some plays and, and musicals in, in high school, but I never really pursued it beyond that. Uh, it's it it takes uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears sometimes to to follow that kind of dream. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm in awe of you being so successful uh, throughout it your, your uh, very long it career. It doesn't pan out. For ninety five percent, and that's just terrible. To how do you how do you convince actors that want to keep it up? And it oh, I, don't give up, man. <laughs> it can happen to anybody. I mean, like, it happened to me. I mean, and I didn't mm-hmm. even I'm not even achieved any. I never wanted huge fame. I, I actually they in class at one certain class they wanted you to pick where what what, did, what do you see yourself? Where you what kind of actor are you? Pick a star that you can. Uh, think that you might be in his category not in acting but <clears throat> if you're lucky but who are you like are you like a james stewart are you an edward g robertson are you and so and i kept seeing myself in those ward bond and barry fitzgeralds of the 40s and 50s that are just mm-hmm. the guest star the the mm-hmm. bad guy the guy who's a guest always works always gets another job and yeah. People chasing me down and screaming my name and never, it never really occurred to me. But, but uh, to be Don Cheney Jr. and play all the scary monsters mm-hmm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. a kid, and actually, yeah. I probably wanted to go into when I was a kid. I wanted to go into space, and that's why I joined the Marine Corps with a promise that I would be a 
in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. But on the day I went in, I was six, three and a half, and I was three inches too tall. And you get to be something else. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to leave. And I said, well, you promised. Give me that what I asked. No, no. You're going to do something else. See, I got off the subject. But acting, <laughs> That's okay. Acting, incredible. And I still, to this day, don't have any clue as to how. I couldn't tell you how to do it. I don't even know if I do it. I can't even look at myself. It's weird. Actors, some of them have this. I looked at it and I, I just, wow, I stink. I, I kept seeing, I'm just not, I don't believe me. I'm terrible. But then I kept getting work. And I just, all I cared about was, oh, well, I got a job. I got the next one. I, I Oh, here's another one. It's great. Oh, knock wood. And, but right. I, I just won't look at it. So I, I, I didn't look at it for the longest time. And I could see people on the set staring at themselves and I just, doesn't that make you want to run? <laughs> I, I hear you. I know that from uh, we've done 11 episodes now of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, and I have not been able to listen to any of them yet. Oh, oh, um, the voice thing. Huh? The voice thing. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Every yeah, kid it, has it. You yeah, hear it on the I tape, that little little tape that was a little circular. I'm old. I know. And then you're like, oh, I sound like, yeah, I'm hideous. But, but here's the thing. I didn't learn until I was dating, which is more like in the Marine Corps. Uh, 17, 18, and, and then into acting, I, I would get dates by meeting them and talking on the phone first because I, they had told me that, you know, on your voice on the phone is very sexy. And I'm like, oh, ah, this could work. So if I get them to like the voice, then I date them and oh, yeah, then they, they, it's too late now. Ah. Um, so that was so the then when you talk. do stage, you do acting on stage and then you play a part and you get to be somebody else. Then I realized this is how come I'm able to talk to people face to face now. And then all of a sudden social media happens and I never have to do it again. It's just, it's just weird. <laughs> kind of along the lines of what we've just been talking about of your acting uh, roles. Um, you have a long list of many different roles that you've played throughout your career and, and they're fascinating. Is there a specific um, genre that interests you the most? Probably Westerns. Mm-hmm. I grew up with them. I, John Wayne, you know, who I met when I was working as a, in a golf club in Hollywood before I had oh, even wow. started acting. I was, my dad worked as a chef at the country club down the block from the Warner Brothers. And I was a lifeguard and I, I, used to teach people's kids to to swim like Frankie Avalon's kids and and uh the Wayne family and then I got to meet John Wayne and I then they started going through in the ninth hole. I was a bartender there. So they gotta stop on the ninth hole for a drink. So they mm-hmm. go to the bar quickly as they're teeing up and you're getting Rudy Valley, you're getting Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, John Wayne, Lord, all these huge stars who I grew up with watching him on TV. So I'm starstruck anyway, like, gosh, I'm, I'm giving John Wayne a bourbon and branch water. I'm saying bourbon and branch water <laughs> mm-hmm. to him. You know, it was, it was amazing. So anyway, what, what, what did that have to do with? Oh, I don't your, know. Your favorite genres. Uh, oh, Western, any, any... Western. Yeah. See, see if I could get the thread and write it down right before. Don't forget. <laughs> we're talking about Westerns. You old, <laughs> I'm wondering if I can remember lines anymore when I start going back to work. But yeah, Westerns. And then, of course, it was ruined for me when I got married. And my wife was a huge uh, vegetarian likes uh, animal. I never disliked animals. They just always seemed to love me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't go away. Quit staring at me. 
get a life. <laughs> Come on. I've already taken you out. But then her influence and these cats and animals and rescues. And I watched, I found myself watching a Western, let's pick one, the searchers or John Wayne. And I'm, I'm, I'm upset because the, the cattle are falling down. The horses are getting falling over in a fight. And I don't care that the Indians or the, or the, you know, the cowboys are getting killed. It doesn't matter. The animals. So I, I couldn't watch it. Sort of ruining it for me. But Westerns would be what I'd pick. I did a series once that CBS ended up picking uh, uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. They had to pick between two, and it was between that show and our, our Western about a dark family. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, oh, I loved it. We got to live for a month or so while we shot these episodes. It was called Lone Justice. At the time, it was called something else. But uh, we shot it in Willieville in Austin, Texas, where, you know, I got to meet Willie Nelson. Oh, this is the thing about the career is that, Oh, by the way, it's a it's a twenty year career because I retired ten years ago. So, oh. I mean, I, I know that doesn't mean anything, but it was a, actually I've only been doing it for twenty, and then I I, uh, I, I stopped ten years ago uh, and went back to Alabama and lived with my parents because they were um, um, getting older. Mm-hmm. But it was the greatest five years of my life because I got to spend it with them before mm-hmm. before uh, the uh, past. But, right. uh, uh, yeah, that's nice that you got to go yeah, back yeah. to Alabama where you were born. Uh, now, did your your parents move back to Birmingham? Is that uh, and then they you did when I was uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I, say I was twenty one or so. Twenty one. Uh, yeah, I came back and got to Hollywood, and they were living in Silver Lake. They said, "Oh, we're moving back to Alabama," and I went, "Don't think so." <laughs> I didn't want to go back and I didn't know what I would do there and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I thought I'd stay in Hollywood and I didn't even know if I was going to, I, that way, but I was going to do, I still worked at that golf club, but uh, I don't know. Fate had a hand. I mean, I have the, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's like the Bible of, of Star Trek. It's got everything that was ever in a Star Trek in it. And I went and bought it because I wanted to, Look, I'm in it. My name is mm-hmm. I'm in Star Trek. Oh, I thought mm-hmm. it's silly. It's silly. It isn't silly. It's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. On my birthday, I couldn't believe how many people reached out and said happy birthday. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, it made me feel amazing. Yeah, it was just. Uh, now, do you have any one specific role that you've played throughout your career that has kind of become a personal favorite of yours, whether it's, you know, because of the show or because of a, a story or an experience that you had on set? Well, let's see. Should it be a Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, that would be the best answer. And it probably would be the answer because of so many connections to it, you know, and that I got to do three different ones. And uh, that have to be the best because of what it meant when I got on the set and having met these these just actors that uh, were on the first Star Trek. And there was a connection uh, with Star Trek in that when I was younger, and I, I, I mean, I tell the story, I hope it's not too long, but it's, uh, I had a childhood idol and it was Frank Gorshin. 
And because uh, mm. he used to do those mm-hmm. imitations of great stars that I love, Burt Lancaster and uh, blah. Anyway, as uh, I watch him, I'd watch him every night I could when he was on Johnny Carson or Jack Jack Parr, maybe even that far. And my parents would let me stay up and see him. And anyway, he he also ended up getting on an episode of Star Trek. Uh, let this be your last battlefield. He was the uh, Belay or Bell. He had a white face on one side and black on the other. It was mm-hmm. a big episode. Oh, yes. And he, and that was it. That was, uh, I still love the guy. And then, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, 20 years later, my mother-in-law is dating a guy and he turns out to be Frank Gorshin. And oh, wow. within months, she's talking about, they're talking about getting married. And I'm going, my gosh, I'm going to, my father-in-law is going to be the Riddler. My, the Riddler is my father-in-law. I couldn't speak. I was having lunch at our house with all the animals and we're drinking drinks together. And he's talking about the wedding and I cannot get over who is sitting over there. You know, <laughs> this, sure. is, this is my idol. You were, you know, I, I, I refrained from trying to do impressions at all, but just do, do Bert Lancaster. I, I couldn't, I didn't, but it was, oh, you were in Star Trek. And, and then of course, we could talk about me being in it and his stories that he had about it. And, ah, see, that's the thing that makes it the best because there's so many facets of it the, the, that Star Trek was the best. But I think as another one is Herbie. I think Herbie Fully Loaded is kind of big because I, I got to be funny and not a, a murderer or a drug addict or an alien or a mm-hmm. crazy person. Mm-hmm. People are chasing down an alleyway with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, which my, my daughter could never see me. She'd always ask, can I go on the set? And I'd have to think, oh, am I shooting a family of three? No, not today. Mm-hmm. Or I'm cutting off a guy's head on some show. Not today. But she got to go <laughs> on Hurry Fully Loaded. And that nice. was, uh, she got to play on a skateboard with Lindsay Lohan. And it was uh, heartwarming. <laughs> wow. Sounds <laughs> like it. And it was a comic part. I got to play funny. I got to be Crazy Dave, who gets his butt kicked by a Volkswagen. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> nice. That, yeah. That that the one of the one of the uh, I guess the downsides to being a, a a character actor is that you often have to play the bad guy, the one that everybody loves to hate, right? Oh yeah, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you get to be, you get to kind of exhibit traits that you normally wouldn't in your life. You know, you, you kind of get to tap into a, uh, a darker side of your personality when you play yeah. a villain. So I, I, I can imagine it has to be, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> yeah. My day isn't usually get up and go to work at nine and come home after lunch. Mine is get up, get up and go into a bank, rob the bank, have lunch, incredible spread of food. <laughs> Go back to the bank. I have to shoot a teller and then go home and then tell my family about it. And, and then tomorrow I do, I get to fantasize about some other bizarre thing I get to do or put on a mask and fly around a stage. <laughs> and, you know, couldn't beat it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. It does, seems to be uh, one area that, uh, character actors tend to get into is because they play so many diverse characters, they end up having to put on a lot of makeup from time to time. Um, 
this to be honest with you i've been a star trek fan since i was six years old i'm 40 now i know a lot of stuff about different star trek episodes but i didn't realize until just recently that you actually were on deep space nine as a jemhadar soldier i think his name was mesaclan um, in the episode, right. yes right. in the episode hippocratic oath um that role obviously required a lot of makeup what can you tell us about regarding prosthetics and the challenge of acting in heavy makeup well it's obviously the first time i remember i can't remember what the first one was but uh it's claustrophobic i think it sure. was hercules i did a, a, a demon 20-foot wingspan-flying Satan-like character that had to battle him in the air. And they had to do a full costume, I mean, a full uh, plaster of Paris thing where as nice as they were about it and very friendly New Zealanders, which I want to live in that country, but it's like they were going to put one hole where my nose was. I couldn't see, I couldn't hear, but, but you can breathe freely from this, you know, one centimeter hole in your nose, you know, and I don't like to even get in those uh, MRI machines. So mm -hmm. this was, well, it was hard, but then, you know, you get over it and you get to see what you look like. And, and then the makeup, like, like Buffy or something on Buffy the Vampire Slayer wins uh, an Emmy for, for his work on it. And you, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> right. I have a picture right. of my my daughter. She was two, and we were in New Zealand shooting one of these, the Hercules, and it's a picture of me in this full red Satan, you know, Exodus. Ex, uh, what is that movie? The Swiveling Head, Linda Blair, The Exorcist. Oh, the yeah. Exorcist. Yeah. Right out of, oh, he's, I'm horrid looking, but in a regal <laughs> kind of way. And I'm holding this little tiny blonde two-year-old, and she and we we're both looking off into the distance. It's a beautiful picture, and it just mm -hmm. says father and daughter, even though, you know, the difference in our looks. She was on the set the day I went. I, they yanked me up into the rafters to fight Hercules. Got to the, I got to the top, and we're swinging at each other, and I'm spitting out sounds or whatever, and, and all of a sudden you hear this little two-year-old, Daddy! Daddy, cut. <laughs> you know, everybody thought that was quite funny. <laughs> she knew me. She knew me. It didn't matter what I looked like or what slime was dripping out of me. That was dad. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's such a great story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know you. You know you. You mentioned feeling very claustrophobic in in the mm. makeup, <laughs> and I, you're not. You're not the first person you know that I've seen recently who kind of felt this you know had that same expo or that same experience uh, of feeling like that i know uh i believe jeffrey dean morgan mm -hmm. who, you know uh, who's kind of gained a lot of notoriety from his uh you know from supernatural and then the walking dead but i know he starred in a couple episodes of star trek enterprise and he said that the um all the prosthetics and the makeup he he actually almost had a panic attack uh because of the the feeling of claustrophobia so yeah you're, you're certainly not alone and i can't oh. imagine that being at all comfortable <laughs> he had actually mentioned that he almost left acting because of his experience on enterprise from in all that makeup wow i didn't yeah. know that yeah yeah my uh and and and, and an attached note to that was the day was one of those i think summers that were 100 degrees or something and it didn't help inside so the Gemadar 
you know, they all, we had to all get in this. And I had a, a stand-in that had to go through the same thing that I did just in case. I mean, just for the lighting and stand-in to see what it looked like. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and get hardly paid. But uh, I wasn't ill. I was not ill that day. I was ill. I didn't feel good. And I, no matter how bad I was feeling, I was not going to not get put in that, you know, I'm not going to not do a Star Trek, please, or any mm-hmm. show, any job you get. I'm going to do it if I die. Mm-hmm. And that's happened a few times. But uh, anyway, uh, so they, I tell the makeup person and she or he, I think, works out a zipper in the back so that it can be released quickly up the top of my head. And since they're not shooting behind us, in case I needed to regurgitate uh, if I felt that ill, which uh, unfortunately I tried holding it in. We'd shot a few scenes, uh, but this day I just couldn't handle it. And I remember grabbing my face, my hand on my face and she saw it and they ran over and took me off to the side where I ripped that thing off and, and filled the deep space nine trash can. And Mm. (laughs) they had to, they talked it over and they couldn't put me back in it. So the guy next to me, I wish I, I wish I knew his name today. If, if I ever find it out, I liked it because he got his SAG card. Mm-hmm. He got to continue the role. And I watch it to this day. I can't, when I do look at it, because I can watch myself when I'm behind a mask. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if I can see where I'm in it. And I know I am because I can hear my voice at one time. And then, but then the dialogue gets mixed up and I think I see him at one point being shot. Anyway, it's, it's just a bizarre thing. I didn't feel good that day, but I did. My name appears in it and I know I'm in it. It's just, you know, when, when you're all wearing the same mask too, it's difficult to say, and they don't say the names of the characters when they're talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, Missile Clon. You know, they don't. Uh, and everybody kind of put on a bit of a voice at the time. Maybe they thought they should talk down here because they're aliens. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But when I heard my voice say, what's this? It sounded like, what's this? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I went, I think that's me. You had uh, mentioned a little earlier uh, about, you know, appearing on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, I know that you were in an episode of the show and then you got to reprise your role. You got to record some dialogue for a video game where you repi- reprise the same character. Can you kind of tell us any uh, similarities and differences between appearing on camera versus uh, recording dialogue in, uh, in a recording booth for a video game? I don't think there was much of one other than I wanted to make sure that I, I gave him the same voice that appeared in the, in the show. Uh, and as long as, as it is with every actor should, whatever the director says, if he doesn't say you stink or we're moving on, then I did it right, I guess. Or <laughs> they're happy. <laughs> I mean, like repeating uh, Voyager from the Star Trek six, uh, I, I wanted it to be exact. I mean, uh, I want. I don't want anyone to be able to say ah, because eh, I do that all the time to every movie, every show. Oh, did you see that continuity mistake? The cigarette was this wide, or you know, the, the wick only went down to there. Up, up, up. I, I ruined things for my wife. So you had mentioned during the interview here that you've been retired from acting uh, for the last ten years. Star Trek has actually, as as you know, has returned uh, returned after a twelve year hiatus in two thousand seventeen. 
So I was just curious, what are some of your thoughts on the new series? And even though you say you've retired, would you be interested in a role in one of those series? Oh, definitely. I, I, uh, I wasn't thinking of ever coming back, but then I thought at 55, let's just take the pension and all because I may not make it. I never saw myself getting to 60, but now that I'm at 67, I, I'm going all the way to a hundred. So you're not going to mess with me now, now that I, uh, I'm back. So I, I came back and uh, I was thinking maybe I should go back. I should do something because, you know, fishing, how much can you do? Um, <laughs> uh, reading books, rocking chairs. And then all of a sudden there's a pandemic thing and that screwed it all up. Yeah. So, Sure. We've been hanging out inside a lot, and I started doing interviews to get myself back in. And uh, my, uh, I got a, I guess it's a comic book convention uh, agent who's going to start sending me out. I've done a few things, but as soon as you're able to go out and go, I don't know. Anyway, I'll start going back. And then about the show, I haven't. I hate. Oh, this is embarrassing, but I I haven't seen it yet. This is Discovery, right? And um, yes. I haven't watched it yet because I'm still in that 12 year, 11 year period. Um, it seemed that, it, that Hollywood changed, you know, that, that drive to LA or go through the Hollywood to get the freeways. It's busy. And ooh, I've got to go to an audition. You spend an hour there, you go home and they call you on your, you, you, you're filmed there. Now it's, it seems from my friends that are acting and uh, a friend of mine, he's in Bosch. He uh, plays one of the crate and barrel. He's telling me about how it's different. And you do your audition at home on your phone. I'm like, my phone? Are you kidding? I've got to set up a little <laughs> studio in my home. Oh, it's a whole. And how you get through social media, they get to know you. Uh, your agents look at you at IMDb. And it's a whole new world of, of Hollywood for me at, at 67. Mm. So I have to even get a new picture. So that, that had it all gone in my life. It was, I never thought I was going to have to go get a photographer and get an eight by 10 and, and then <laughs> send my resume out and see if anybody wants uh, somebody this age. And because when I, when I first came back and that pandemic hadn't happened, my agent had sold his business. He'd been in the business for 80 years. He was forever. He sold it. Some, and I called them to, to, you know, well, do you need, and, you know, the 22-year-old at the desk said, oh, no, we don't need old people. Thank you. And I, I went, Whoa. oh, that felt weird. You don't need old people. You know, I'd worked for 20 years. and I, uh, well, so I, well, I wasn't going by. Well, okay. Then the pandemic happened. So I didn't have to worry about it. Now I'm going to have to get an agent and see if there's any interest. And then, of course, I'll send a picture to a, uh, casting of discovery you know you said you're 67 look at you know prime example clint eastwood he's 91 still directing still acting i have the utmost faith in you that you know that you could uh return to acting and and easily make it to 100 and still be acting you know uh hope so william shatner right he's about 100 he's almost about 100 no i love you 90 no turn 90 (laughs) <laughs> yes. So, and I've seen him at two different conventions this year. So, and he, um, when I saw him at in New Jersey last weekend, he was just spouting off all these different projects that he's got going. And I'm like, man, keep going there, sir. You're like, he's my hero. <laughs> I mean, he will not stop. Yeah, I just saw him. 
I just saw him on a YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? He was he was reviewing people that did impressions of him. I didn't know why ah. he was doing it, but it was funny. Funny, you know, putting him down for this or that. <laughs> That's not correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I yeah, think I mean, his when I was the best. <laughs> I mean, with William Shatner, I, when I saw him in June, he actually came with a some kind of sling or brace around his arm. And of course, we were all wondering what had happened. And he told us, oh, I was just out riding horses and I fell and the, and the horse trampled me. And he still came to the convention. <laughs> like, I mean, nothing stops the man. I, I just that, that just amazes me. I saw know? him once, oddly enough, when you mentioned riding horses. I went to a friend's house and they, they had a big property out the back. And I, I God, I want to say Santa Barbara, but I can't remember it so long ago. And uh, they walked us out to the back end of the property, which went straight down to another person's on the mountain. And he, oh, that there, oh, there he is. That's William Shatner's uh, ranch, I guess, because he has horses. And mm-hmm. I saw him walking around with the horses. So it was uh, never knowing once that I might actually go be in a movie with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then wow. I wouldn't. Well, that's the funny thing about it is I was going to be, uh, uh, I was going to hopefully from my childhood wanting to be into space kind of with the Star Trek fan thing. And then I was in the Marine Corps that I possibly fly a jet and then I might be an astronaut. Who knows? That was all fantasy. And then the next thing, you know, 10, 20 years later, you're on the deck of the Excelsior flying Yeah, a saucer of my own in another way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you so you have, t- have said um, you served in the Marine Corps uh, back in the past. First of all, thank you very much for your service. Um, having my twin brother it being in the Navy, um, I know the sacrifice that is made by our servicemen and by the families. Um, so thank you very much. No, um, no so what can you tell us about what led you to becoming a Marine? Spend the time in front of a TV with your dad and he was uh, heavily Republican and he was an ex-serviceman too and you see it all going on and want to be part of it and college was basically this first college I went to in in LA was more of a pinball place I I kept ditching so I didn't realize that I wasn't ready for college or I said what do I want I want to serve. I want to go. I want to help. I, and I went, well, so I joined. My dad, you know, put his signature to let me go in early. Uh-huh. And um, found out it wasn't really the place for me after four years. I couldn't see myself being a career in it. But uh, it taught me a, a huge amount of discipline. And I didn't die. I was a sergeant twice. So you can see why I, I didn't belong. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I did a couple of illegal things, but not not horrible, you know. Get drunk, blah blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I realized once when I was on search and rescue after Nam ended, and then in twenty nine palms, and you're supposed to be on duty to to help people if they ever get lost in the desert, and you're not doing anything. And there was a party at the PX or someplace, and I remember going there and having a baracatus time and the next thing you know a fight breaks out and the whole place is turned into a western you know i'm mm-hmm. seeing movies i grew up with chairs being thrown and then the doors fling open and in walks the uh the search and rescue team to break it up and i you know i'm supposed to be in charge of them mm-hmm. so that didn't go well 
I lost a rank. Mm. I shouldn't be telling this. It's a terrible story. I mean, I was young, you know, mm. sure. 18, 19. But I got the rank back. Yeah, my uh, like I said, uh, my twin brother is serving in the Navy. His name is Matt. Um, he Star Trek Six was actually his favorite movie when we were growing up, and I know he was very fond of your character. Um, he wanted me to tell you hello for him. No, well, thank him too. I'm glad he's okay and back, or not yes. there. Exactly. Yeah. Wherever exactly. bad there is. Yeah, mm. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, you know having family members in the military, it it, it can be very nerve wracking. Just hoping that they're safe. Uh, you know, I you know, I don't have any uh, family members myself who are currently serving, but you know, I I do have a a cousin who will be starting her officer training for for the Marine Corps, I believe, early uh, next year. So, wow, um, I'll get the chance to to worry about her every day. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. will. Yeah, you're somewhat retired from acting. Possibly considering a return. Do you have any current projects that you're working on uh, outside of acting that you want to tell us about? Well, no. My my wife has put up a, a one of these pages, I guess. So if you ever wanted to get a hold of me or something, I'm at Jeremy Roberts official at Gmail, and I'm doing a food event. Uh, Halloween for uh, to get restaurants back to work in uh, West Hills mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, where I'll be judging food, which is my second talent. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I'm on uh, Cameo. If you feel a need to have this Gustar voice speak to you on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this whole thing. Yeah. Social media is so bizarre to me. I mean, but then, man, I, I, I had never really done – I was always hiding because I said I was shy, basically. I really didn't think I had anything. I'm an actor. I don't – I'm not, you know, Robert Duvall. I'm not, I'm not so huge. I'm not any one of the Star Trek series regulars. I, but the, the amount of the people that – the fans, free, it's just amazing. They, it was so many people, and things they said were so amazing that I think well, I, I had – a few lines. It's not really a, but then I can see it in shows I grew up with. And it could have been Andy Griffith or it could have been the rifleman or that guest star. It's that small person that came in, not a small person, but a smaller part came into the show and moved it along a little, but wasn't, isn't big enough to have all this uh, adulation. It's, it's too weird for me. I, and it's wonderful. My heart's exploding. I'm the Grinch. I guess I found Christmas. Oh, Christmas vacation. That's funny. Oh, yes. We were actually going to ask you about Christmas vacation. Um, It's definitely become a Christmas tradition here. Um, (laughs) So tell us a little bit about that, the, your role at, at, at that part of the movie. I know it was toward the end. The police came through the house and Clark was being, or uh, I'm sorry, what's her, his wife's name, Ellen. Ellen was grabbing onto his crotch because they were all freezing. So it's a, it's a really great scene. So what can you? What are some of your recollections from doing the movie? Well, they just had so many people in that that were, you know, I feel like a gushing fan every time I'm in because I, I just lucky enough to get, even if it's one or two lines, it's with somebody huge. 
you know, or uh, you, you get a Matlock and I get to do a scene or two, two Matlocks. I get to do a scene with Andy Griffith or, I mean, I'm getting mm-hmm. to meet him. I'm going to have lunch with this childhood. I couldn't, I had, I, there were shows you watched. I watched Rifleman. I watched uh, Father Knows Best. I watched uh, Andy Griffith, you know, and these were, they're huge. And here it is. I'm getting to do a scene with Dick Van Dyke or uh, huge names. And it's, and here there's six of them in, or eight of them in one room. There's uh, Herbert Marshall did the Defenders, uh, uh, John Randolph, uh, Randy Quaid, Ellen. I mean, all of them were in Chevy Chase. Uh, it was phenomenal because for such an actor. And then I, you know, with my tremendous dialogue, I had freeze. You know, how much more? How bad could I be? <laughs> but uh, it was. Uh, I oddly enough, I don't know why, but. Maybe it's something I said we were at lunch and and we were talking about gaming sh- things and I was so terrible with this the new gaming things uh, PlayStation's I sucked but uh, Chevy Chase was loved it you know there's a golf game you got to try it and then next thing you know he's asking me to the trailer and I'm my God I'm going to Chevy Chase's trailer and we're playing a game with Saturday Night Live I mean. He plays the president. He falls down the stairs. This is too big. This is too much. So I guess I felt bold. And I'm just joking. We're talking and laughing. And I'm like, this is just not happening. I'm here with Chevy Chase. And I'm, I got to tell my wife. Uh, well, I wasn't married then. But anyway, I got to tell somebody. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, I guess, made me comfortable enough. And I just said, you know, it's funny when I yell at you, freeze, and you all, she's grabbing your crotch. We could get another joke out of it, I guess, what I was saying, but it's not really, yeah, never mind. He goes, what, 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 what? And I go, well, if, if when I yell freeze, when they're all jumping down the stairs and crashing through, instead of you freezing and with a hand on the garage, they all freeze. The police just go, huh? And freeze. And then I look at him and go, not you, them, them. <laughs> and he just, he laughed and he went, that's funny. <laughs> and I mean, that was the end of that. So we finished playing and went out to, to shoot. And he said, Jeremy, he clicks on the director. He goes, Jeremy, actually, Jeremiah Chechik was the guy's, the director's name. Jeremiah Chechik, loved Jeremiah name. Great. But mm. he said, oh, Jeremiah, Jeremy here's got an idea. <laughs> He's got an idea for the scene. Tell him. I went, oh, man, this, if I ever worked before, I'm not going to work again for this guy. Mm. What are you doing this to me for? But I, I told him, <laughs> and he went, well, it's a funny man. I don't think it's that funny. He goes, Chevy goes, no, it's funny. It's funny and it's in. And he walked off to get dressed and left me standing there looking at the director. And uh, if if looks could kill. <laughs> I didn't ever work again for him, but I don't know if that was the reason. Although there was another story, which I won't get into now because it's just not. I almost got into a fight with one of the stuntmen on there. Because during the scene where we're saying scene to the, to the heavens, he kept smacking the back of my head. During the shoot, and I like got a little angry, and we almost ended in that fisticuffs at the end of the show, mm-hmm. which didn't happen because he was like five foot six and seven, and I was still six three. You said earlier that ninety five percent of the people that enter acting as their career choice just end up not making it, and the fact that you kept getting work uh, over and over and over again is just a testament to obviously to how well 
you perform at your, you know, in, in the roles that you're in. Uh, I'm sure, you know, that your agent has something to do with getting you roles as well, but, uh, you know, you have to be impressing uh, all of these, you know, casting directors and, and, um, and, you know, episode directors for all the TV that you've done. So pl- I'm so grateful. I mean, uh, very, very. So I feel like I feel obligated now. I better, now I've got to go out there and become famous. <laughs> because everybody and all the things you say, come on. I, I, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. I'll show, I'll gonna give you something to be happy and proud about. So I'll go back. I've got a couple of projects that um, I'm working on with my wife, but it would be more of a producer. I've got a couple of ideas for uh, TV shows um, similar to one, similar to Twilight Zone. Another one is uh, African-American family. Uh, musical like blues esque. But uh hmm. you know, I just I'll start shopping them around and see if there's any interest and that would be fantastic. Chris and I were both in in band in both high school and college, so uh, you know, we, we certainly appreciate anything music related. Um I know you were were you in jazz ensemble, Chris? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not in the jazz ensemble. I was in marching band with you. That's actually, Jeremy, yeah. how we met was in college marching band. I was in that. I was in brass ensemble and then just the orchestra yeah. and Kappa okay. Kappa Psi. Right, right. Okay. I couldn't remember. It's been, it's been 20, almost 20 years since I know college. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, and anyway, I'm gonna have uh, my 50th yeah. reunion. My high school 50th is coming up next year. 50 years. But then on my 20th, uh, 20th, uh, what is it, uh, reunion, I was voted uh, most eligible bachelor. So that won't happen this time. But uh, was, <laughs> I was a shy. I was quiet. Oh, there was, you wouldn't even know I was there unless you went to a, a football game or a track meet. That's the only reason you had ever see me in high school. But then 20 years later, with a few acting parts, mm-hmm. grown into my incredible good looks. <laughs> like you also must be uh, the better looking of the twins, right? I would, <laughs> I would like to think so. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know, though. We're both five foot five, put some weight on and bald. So I don't know. If we, <laughs> and, and we look basically right now, we look. When we're within the same weight range, we usually look pretty identical. When we're kind of separated, I used to be the real heavy one, and he was the more of the thinner one. Um, he was definitely the the more – he got more girls than I did. But I I ended up getting married at 22 years old while he was a bachelor for a long time. So I don't know. I guess I got the better end of the deal. That's funny. Um, oh, I, didn't, I didn't want to disparage anyone uh, that was five, six or so when I was talking about that stuntman. You know, because uh, when I was younger, I was six three. When I was eleven, so and shy, and I lived in Hollywood, and you know, I went through bad neighborhoods, and I, I learned that my height saved me from sure. any any fight. Well, I knew yeah. I would never get into a fight because they would have to stop and think. Now mm-hmm. he looks like he could hurt me, so and that saved me all my whole youthful youthful life. Yeah. <laughs> And I then when you're a bad guy, you know, you're 280 pounds. And I, now I'm down. I, I've lost about 70 pounds. So I'm down to 240. Nice. Well, wow. Wonderful. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Jonathan and I both in the last year and a half have lost some weight as well. We we tried the keto diet and that actually yeah. seemed to do pretty good for us. <laughs> I like the bread. 
I, I bought some bread by, I don't know what it was called, keto bread. I loved it. Mm-hmm. We're just doing, uh, I'm doing, and my wife, uh, uh, calorie deprivation, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Five meals a day, 300 calories, and then uh, walk a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. 67 pounds. It's sort of apropos on my 67th birthday. It took 67 hey, years, but I got it off. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Congrats on the hard work to both of you. That's wonderful. Yeah. So uh, I, I think we can kind of wrap things up here. Yes. Jeremy, how can anybody reach out to you and contact you if they wanted to uh, find out more about what you're doing or, you know, if they, if anybody wanted to uh, invite you to make an appearance at a con or anything like that, how can someone reach you? Oh, yeah. I got to change a lot of things because like on IMDB, there's areas there. I, I see it's all new to me. I mean, I, I know I have a, a name on there, but it's... Uh, areas you've got to put your agent and your comic book convention agent or da, 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 or how to reach me. I don't have anything on there because I'm still learning how to do it on this, mm-hmm. this buttons with the computer thing. But uh, yeah, like I said, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Roberts official at gmail.com or Jeremy Roberts.com. When I'm having the guys get me more up to date because it's kind of, behind for the last 11 years because I haven't been doing it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on Cameo, you could just look up Jeremy Roberts. Well, you know what? We would love to have you come to our local Comic-Con here in the Pittsburgh area, Steel City Con someday. Um, I mean, you've got some wonderful stories and that I think people would love to hear. And, uh, you know, Star Trek's obviously very big everywhere, but it's, it's definitely big here in the Pittsburgh area. So Pittsburgh, you ever, Pittsburgh. What, yes, that's Pittsburgh. where we're I at. Had a, from- a girlfriend from there uh, back when I was like in the twenties. Uh, uh-huh. And oh, her name. She was a psychologist, and she talked with murderers every day on death row. Mm. She was a psych oh. in the big in a prison in Pittsburgh downtown. Mm. Famous old one. It's got stone walls and wow. Oh, near those. Did you have three rivers that have incredible names? The Allegheny yeah. uh, and the Nongahela and the. Yep. And the Ohio, I think, is the other one. Yeah. Yeah. And she was a psych for the crazies. I wonder if I was attracted to her because that's what I ended up playing most of the time. You know, crazies, <laughs> nutcases. My wife was is a big uh, fan of uh, murderers. Not, oh, you know, she's not rooting them on, but she, right. <laughs> she likes to watch those shows and find out all about them. And she said she wishes she had been a forensic psychologist. And I, she's got all these books on them. So whenever I'm like uh, in something like I did a millennium where I played a serial killer. I was running through those books. So there was a reason we met together also. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. um, Just a little bit about myself. I'm actually a licensed clinical social worker here in the Pittsburgh area, and I've never had to deal with anything with forensics when I'm doing therapy. Um, I'm sure now that I'm in private practice, I'm sure I'll be meeting some of those people because they'll be court ordered. So it'll be an interesting thing to check out. Wow. Fascinating. Really? Yeah. But it's been a wonderful experience getting to talk to you. It was an absolute honor um, to oh, get thank to talk you. to you. Seeing, yeah, seeing you on. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jonathan, is there any way that anybody can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. I pretty much go by the same thing on all forms of social media, whether that's Twitter or Instagram, TikTok even. Uh, I can be found by searching at just a Disney geek on any of those social media platforms and you're sure to find me. 
Absolutely. And then anybody can find me. Um, just go on to Facebook. Just type my name, Christopher Stow, S-T-O-U-G-H. Um, you'll find my page. Um, my On Twitter, my handle is at ChrisStow1. Uh, uh, besides that, uh, those two things on social media, I don't know anything else. <laughs> the kids I work with always know all these things. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I barely know what TikTok is. <laughs> Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us for this interview. We we greatly appreciate the time that you spent with us on your birthday weekend. Yeah, if you have any appearances, we'd certainly like to know about them and keep in chat, keep in touch with you. Uh, but until then, to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. This has been episode eleven. You know, we look forward to picking up that discussion where we left off uh, several months ago. And until then, keep listening and uh, may the force be with you. And live long and prosper. Adios. Adios.